morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. These phrases are used all over the all over the world in English speaking countries. But for me, I can remember when the Truman Show came out with Jim Carrey a long time ago. It was sort of a, a an ex, an experiment where a man named Truman was actually being watched by millions of people around the world as a television show and he didn't know it. And when he finally realizes it and he decides to embark on his own new adventure by leaving the set, the final image is of him turning, smiling at the camera and saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And it stuck with me because they are such simple phrases but they hold such meaning. It's so easy in the hustle and bustle of everyday life when we see someone at work or at church or at school or even our own kids or spouse and we're trying to tick off boxes on our to-do list to immediately jump into sort of a demanding transactional conversation. It's Monday morning and you have a report due and you can't have your report due until other people have filled things out. So let's say one of your coworkers, Cindy, was responsible for a big portion of it. And Cindy has not sent it to you. And it is Monday morning and it is due Monday afternoon. And you see you're signing in. You can approach it a multitude of ways. But I would like to conjecture just two possible ways. One which I myself have been guilty of and many people I'm sure are. And then an opposite way and talk about the difference between the two. So I'm the super, I'm, I'm working with Cindy and I walk up to her, Cindy, this report is due at 2.30 today and I'm responsible for sending it in and I simply cannot finish it unless you give me the part that you're responsible for. Can you please get it done and send it to me? That's approach number one. It may or may not work. Cindy may be in a good mood and able to comply. Cindy might be in a bad mood and in a passive-aggressive way is going to get it to you at the very last minute. We don't know. Now, here's the other hypothetical way to approach it. Good morning, Cindy. How was your weekend? She replies. Yeah, mine was nice. Thanks for asking. I spent some time with the kids, with the family. Hey, listen. I don't know if you forgot, but we have a report due today at 2.30, and it's really important that I have the part that you're responsible for. Do you think you could get it to me with enough time to edit? Now, two totally different ways. Same request. Cindy has to do her job. Cindy has to put together a part of the report that you're responsible for doing. But I'm wondering which method is going to get her more onto your side and make her feel that you recognize her a little bit more as a person. Which one is going to be slower in approach? Which one is going to become a transactional conversation versus a demanding conversation? And I say this because teachers are in the business of people. We're in the business of working with colleagues, <clears throat> with supervisors, with staff who, and students for that matter, who come to our building every day carrying invisible packages. Invisible suitcases, invisible backpacks full of worries and concerns, whether it be about finances and how they're going to pay the bills, 
or sick relatives and how they're going to take care of them or having to rush home to get a little brother or sister off of the school bus and making sure that everything is done before mom or dad or both or neither get home. And so we're coming to our schoolhouse full of luggage and we're already weighed down. There are some days where I myself feel like a pack mule between trying to remember my son's extracurricular schedule and my daughter and which weekend they're going to be going back and forth to their father. Oh, and the holidays are coming and so-and-so is coming and I have to make sure that I buy this. And it's so easy to get spun up into our own world that we forget that when we're amongst others, especially in a schoolhouse, sometimes we have to broadcast different messages. There are so many students that I see in the hallway that I see walking. There are so many times I've seen teachers approaching these students. There are so many times I see conversations in classes that the tone, instead of that transactional sort of good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, is more of the demanding, more of the do what I want now. My needs are more important. I can't believe you're acting this way. And it's full, they're, they're full of disappointed, unmet expectations. And those disappointed, unmet expectations, whether it be on the end of a teacher or a student, is what really, for me, causes so much conflict and so much drama. Because I know when I'm approached that way, I immediately feel like I've done something wrong. And then I get confused because I'm like, what the heck did I do? Why are you talking to me in that tone of voice? What have I forgotten? And then instead of having a conversation, I'm on the defensive. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. It's happened to everyone. But it happens very frequently to our students. It happens from cafeteria workers. It happens from school bus drivers. It happens from teachers, administrators, paraeducators, other students, younger students, older students, you name it. There's a lot of demands on our kids these days. And so I wonder if... When I'm approaching that student that is, let's face it, maybe not in control of their own emotions, maybe cussing, maybe purposely avoiding class, maybe doing everything within their power to be anywhere except where they're supposed to be. What harm is it going to do me as the adult to walk up and model that civility and that slowing down and that transaction? Good afternoon. How are you? I've tried it. The kids, honestly, the first time ignore me because they don't even hear me. That's the stunning part. They don't hear the greeting. So I'll simply stand there, and I I did it last week. Good afternoon. Where do you belong? And the girl turned, and she kind of looked at me, and she's like, are you talking to me? I said, absolutely. Where do you belong? And honestly, she didn't want to tell me. She didn't want to go where she belonged. So then the question became, how can I help you? Her reply was, I don't know what class I'm going to. Now, it is November. This child has been in the building since August. I know and she knows that she knows her schedule. So, I have two choices. I, as the adult, can get angry and demand that she give me the information, or I am going to write her a a, a referral and I'm going to follow her. That's option one. Actually, I have three options. Option two is I'm lucky enough to be on the leadership team so I have a walkie-talkie so I can walk in the front office and simply ask for her schedule and then provide her with the information where she belongs, relying on someone else. The third option is I have a computer and I have access to our student information system so I can look up her schedule. And then I can give her the information. Oh, look! It's Mod 2B. You're in art. Why don't I walk with you? Sometimes that's enough 
for them to know that I have taken the time to look up the information, given it to them, and that I'm going to follow through. Sometimes they want me to walk with them. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I can, op- it, it, but it opens up a conversation. How do you know my schedule? Well, I looked it up in the computer. Well, why would you look it up? Because part of my job is making sure you are where you need to be. I'm responsible for you. And this conversation is a way to build bridges. It's a way to build connections. Can it be frustrating? Oh, holy land sakes, yes. It is frustrating that instead of doing the job that I set out to do, I'm now dealing with a child who does not go where they want to go. And these are middle school students. These children are hardwired to be social, to be with their friends, to be talking about everything except academics. But honestly, nine times out of 10, I'm able to get that child to class. I'm either able to cajole them enough that they know I'm going to keep looking and keep in their mind harassing them, but keep having a conversation with them. Now, and it gets them there. The 1% that it doesn't work with are honestly that 1% of our students who are already receiving services, who the administration is probably already aware of, who copious interventions are happening with, conversations are happening with parents, and honestly, nothing I say or do is going to get them where they need to be. However, I will leave that situation feeling much better because I haven't screamed, I haven't yelled, I haven't raised my voice. Did they do what I wanted them to do? No. But did I do what I wanted to do? Yes. I slowed myself down. I said good afternoon. Do I fail at this? Oh my golly sakes, yes. I have been that teacher that has lost their patience, that has raised their voice, that has threatened them with the principal, and guess what? I get the same response. In fact, I get laughed at by the kid, but they still don't go to class. So I can either be in control of myself and say good afternoon and attempt to get them to class and they don't go. Or I can be yet another adult in their life who has lost control of her emotions and is now screaming at them. And let me tell you, the screaming blends into the background of their psyche. And they, in fact, have gotten some sort of payoff because now my blood pressure's up. And now there's no way I'm going to be able to go finish the task that I was trying to do because I probably can't remember what it is in the first place. Either way, they win. The goal of this conversation that I'm having with you is to try to allow us as adults to take back some of our own power. Any kind of educator has a challenging job. You're trying to deliver a curriculum that's standards-based, that's highly tested, that's rigorous, that is written by nine times out of 10, someone at a district level that teaches maybe not in a classroom that looks anything like the population you have. They might have access to tools you don't have, and yet you're delivering the same curriculum. You're teaching children. You're teaching humans. You are asking humans with thoughts and emotions that have relationships and that have baggage with them to, for 45 to 90 minutes, conform to the content that you teach, whether that be art, music, foreign language, English language arts, reading, science, math, whatever it happens to be. You're asking them to press pause on everything going on in their lives, to stop thinking about themselves, and to engage in academic instruction. That in and of itself is a difficult task. You also have to make sure that you're meeting IEP accommodations and 504 and that you're modifying materials and that you're aware of the schedule in the school and what paperwork is due and who needs to go where when. That's a job in and of itself. But I can guarantee you this job is not going to happen if you do not slow down and take the time to build relationships with kids. 
if you don't press pause yourself because your blood pressure, your health, your stress level is going to go up. So my challenge for all of us as we head into Thanksgiving and the holiday season and the stress that we all know can come with that, whether it be stress in our own personal lives, stress that's happening in the community, stress from what's going on in the greater world and this divisive society in which we live, I'm challenging you to press pause. I'm not asking you to stop. I'm not asking you to not hold kids accountable. I'm not asking you to not document your interventions. But I'm asking you that when you approach the child, press pause. When you approach your colleague, your boss, your friend, the person in the 7-Eleven, press pause. And instead of going right into what they're saying or what you need, greet them. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Every time I've done this, they've smiled at me. I have made someone smile. And nine times out of ten, they say it back to me. They give me a greeting. They let me know that they're invested for that small amount of time. And then normally, before we part ways, it's have a nice day. See you soon. Hope things are going well. I've had strangers tell me happy Thanksgiving. It happened yesterday at the dollar store because I was having a conversation with someone. And it presses pause in my life. And it allows me to connect with someone else. And am I going to be demanding sometimes? Absolutely. Am I going to fail? Yes, my God. I have a temper that is crazy. And my own kids will tell you, when I start this good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night stuff in the house, they're looking at me like, Mom has lost her mind. She's trying one of these newfangled ideas of hers. But absolutely I'm trying it. Because I want them to know that even at my age, at almost 42 years old, I still need help regulating my own emotions. And I'm expecting my 15-year-old and my 9-year-old in my own home and the middle school and elementary school students with whom I work every day to do this. Now, press pause. Be a model for them. Press pause. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Greet the people with whom you're interacting. Make it a transactional conversation because the beauty of a transaction is you give something, but you also receive. If you're interested in learning more about thoughts, philosophy, and pedagogy, continue to listen to the podcast series. Thanks so much. Remember, every teacher counts. Good morning.